All right, welcome to episode 21. Uh, we are man down tonight, but we have uh, KB, Lena, and myself, Eli. Um, we got to start the show off with, uh, we are having to say goodbye to one of our hosts, uh, Kayla, uh, not KB, Kayla. Um, she moved this week, and she is now um, a resident of New York. Rest in peace, Kayla. I mean, R.I.P. I mean, she's... I mean, she's still going to be on the show. She just doesn't live here anymore. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, so. That sounded better. <laughs> like, what, like, I love, I love that Lena act surprised. <laughs> yeah. um, um, that sounded better before we we were recording. It was so. a good idea in theory yeah. to try and to try and throw a wrench in it and like fool people, but I guess maybe it was, maybe it worked better in person. <laughs> It's like, you had no, she, there, she's not dead. She just moved. She moved. Yes. Yes. Um, she's still on yeah. the show. A lot of people, yeah. I think, realize we don't record this show in the same room. So, um, oh, there it is. There's the bark. I cursed myself. Oh, I was I talking. Said I didn't hear it. Started rec- I, oh, I said before we were, we started recording that my dog, you know, hopefully wouldn't bark. And, and he did. So, sorry, guys. My pug is going to make noises tonight. A, I apologize. He's standing in for Kayla tonight. So he's a mascot. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He's a rascal. Anyways, continue. Um, I don't remember what I was gonna say. That's fun. I, th- I think I was gonna say something wrestling related. So it's. Oh, uh, uh, I mean, probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we actually have um a lot of streaming stuff coming out this in September, and we have um some cool stuff coming to the theaters. Um, we're gonna have some shout outs. Um, we have a, some, a cool interview coming at the end of the episode. We're really excited about it. Ties into a movie that just celebrated its 30th anniversary. And of course we have Lena's fun facts because they're incredible. So we're gonna get started. Um, KB has the streaming stuff to get started. What's up nerds. Here we are every week, a very, very long list of very exciting things that you're going to be able to watch in the comfort of your own home, which is personally my favorite because it doesn't cost any money because we all know that if we go to the movies even if you have movie pass you still spend way too much money on snacks and if you have movie pass you should probably cancel your subscription oh i know let's not let's not talk about it Mm -hmm. let's not talk about it because it oh that's it's a sad day when you get an email saying that you're only going to be able to go to certain movies and then you pull it up and it's just garbage. Yeah. Well, mine, so I was one of those, I canceled mine and then it re-added me like two days later. So, oh, okay. so, so that wasn't like a rumor like that really happened. I canceled it. I got an email saying it was canceled. And then two, two or three days later, um, I got an email saying it had automatically renewed and I went in the app and I was re-signed up. So I had to cancel a second time, but mine got to the point where when I'd go to my local theater, it said no showtimes available. Like no matter what, that's weird. Yeah. Well, no matter I what movie I picked or the, what day. Uh, the app first. Yeah. Um, so, so you know, I mean, it was good while it lasted. So just yeah. like, yeah, they, they could actually make a horror movie out of that. Like movie pass doesn't let you go. And yeah. then You're you get to forever. the theater and, you it's kind of like a new version of you the can ring. only you can only go see like <laughs> oh gosh hmm. oh man you can I, I i think the last two movies that they had available were like the meg which was garbage <laughs> um <laughs> and apparently some people like that movie but that's fine it was like the meg and then some movie called alpha that i don't care about and mile 22 and i was like mm, no thank you 
Didn't uh, uh, didn't Mile Twenty Two have the the reigning women's champion in that movie? Yeah, but that doesn't mean I want to see it. I mean, that's true. You can just see her Monday. With <laughs> I the love, belt. I love, I love Ronda Rousey, but I don't want to see that movie. So, anyways, let's continue with our uh, with our massive list. Um, we're actually going to go a little bit more in depth into them this time instead of just skipping around like we did last episode because um, there actually is a lot of really good stuff. So uh, the first streaming service that you guys need to uh, look out for is Netflix. And when I tell you that this this month is loaded, it is loaded. So it's got a, re- a lot of really, really cool stuff coming out. Uh, King Kong, which is... Personally, I probably won't watch that one. I don't typically like to watch movies with animals that have the potential of, like, either getting hurt or dying. Yeah. So that is, like, true horror for me. So I probably actually won't watch that And And to be fair, I don't know which version that is. So right. you know, it yeah, could be I mean, any of them. But, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning. Um, those are both coming out on the first. And mini drum roll we're finally getting terrifier shout out to david yes yes. so excited that he's finally hit netflix this is going to be huge for them um because it's been on i don't has it been on any streaming streaming services like any like mainstream streaming services until now i I think i Mm -hmm. rented it on something when I watched it before we interviewed him, um, but it hasn't been like on an on demand. I mean, I'm honestly surprised that it shuttered didn't get it before. Um, right. So. so I mean, that's that's a pretty that's a pretty big step for them. So yeah. we wish all you know, we wish them all the success in the world. He was fantastic to have on here. Um, so congratulations to the team that made the Terrifier for getting uh, getting on Netflix. I'm sure we will see it on. Uh, on the top list very soon. Um, Van Helsing season two, which I don't know if any of you guys watched it. I haven't, I haven't touched it. Um, I watched uh, the pilot. Um, it's on sci-fi. It's kind of a twist. Van Helsing's a female in this version. Sure. Um, it's like a, uh, it's like a post apocalyptic kind of deal. Um, so I it's, mean, so it's kind of cool. a, kind of a twist on it i mean the the first episode i enjoyed um but i guess the second season's on netflix next week and then uh i think season three premieres on sci-fi sometime soon so interesting interesting um we put this one on the list solely because i think that this movie holds a special place in all of our hearts even though it's not a horror movie um, Scott Pilgrim will finally be on Netflix, yes. so that's a, that's a good. Yeah. If you don't know what to watch, you just watch Scott Scott Pilgrim. It's making its way onto a you know a horror movie podcast. So clearly, we all have a great love <laughs> for that movie. Um, it was going to get mentioned either way. So any anybody that's like trying to be a purist, you probably don't like Scott Pilgrim, which means that we don't trust you. Next up on the list is The Witch, which I know that we are all probably very excited about. We all love that movie. Um, I I need to look up and see when Hereditary is already on digital, right? Um, I, I think uh, it came out on like, home video, too. I think it's on, like, you can buy the DVD and stuff. Yeah, I'll oh. say today, maybe. Ooh, 
exciting. Yeah. So you can yes. watch The Witch and then you can follow it up with Hereditary and then have nightmares for weeks. Yeah, which I'm I'm ready for a podcast about that because I did watch it. So <gasps> yeah, Taylor's oh. here too. Oh, we yeah, we, can we do will a, do that whole do episode on Hereditary. Absolutely, Ooh. I'm in for it. It was one of my. It's been one of my favorite movies so far, probably this year. So we'll we'll get that done. Um, next up is American Horror Story: Cult, um, the only season that I did not finish. Did anybody watch it? Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't finish it either. I, I got like three. Half. I got like three into it, and I lost interest. Yeah, that one was kind of a little bit of a miss for me. I'm gonna give it a chance. Um, but I don't know, just the type of story was just not kind of, it kind of wasn't my thing. And I am, a, I'm a huge, I'm a huge American Horror Story fan. So we'll see, uh, we'll see if maybe I can give it another, uh, another chance. Um, next up on the list is Maniac, a limited series. Um, it's got Jonah Hill and Emma Stone, which is really, really cool. Um, it's going to be more of a dark comedy um, I don't know if it's necessarily going to dive super like far into horror, but this should be um, a little bit more of like mind, mind horror, maybe not like gore, but it's going to be, I think it'll probably be a little bit stressful, but that's pretty cool that they've got Joan Hill and Emma Stone on a Netflix series. That's pretty, um, that's a pretty big step. Yeah. I, I mean, she's a, Oscar winner and Oscar nominee, and he's an Oscar yeah. nominee. Um, it's directed by Carrie Fukunaga, who uh-huh. did the first season of True Detective, the good season. Um, yeah. And he Ooh. was originally supposed to direct it, and, you know, they had some issues, and he got kicked out, and he went on to somebody else. But, yeah, right. th- it looks, you know, I think what you said, it's probably going to have some horror elements in it, but it's at least like a sci-fi thing, so... Um, I mean, it's more, I think it's probably going to be a little bit more of like mind, mind suspense, like just stuff that'll fuck with your brains, which I'm like, I've kind of gotten to a point where that's what I want. That's what I want is I want stuff that's going to make me uncomfortable and not necessarily. I'm like, oh, somebody's getting their, you know innards pulled out of their mouth or something and i'm like okay it doesn't really it doesn't really do anything that's, for that's me funny anymore. you said that there's actually a movie out and the movie poster is that it's like a oh. it's like guts coming out of this guy's mouth i'll have to send oh, it to you cool. it's awesome Sweet. love love guts coming out of mouths speaking uh-huh. of guts coming out of mouths walking dead season eight will be on netflix on the 23rd um <laughs> is this show, why isn't this show dead yet? <laughs> um, to be fair, I'll probably pick up season eight and watch it just because I love Negan and Jeffrey Dean Morgan. So he he's really kind of carrying the series for me right now. Um, I might just casually watch it. And oh, thank you, Eli, for um <laughs> for that. Uh, oh, oh. <laughs> So he just texted me oh, this. Wow. Uh, oh God, that's gross. Um, the poster that we just mentioned of someone's, you know, something coming that's out of real somebody's life. mouth. That's real life. <laughs> and that is very. Uh, someone's paying nine ninety nine to watch that at a theater. That's real life. I don't know if I want to watch yeah. that. 
Yeah, I can't tell if it's like a demon going out of there, like an octopus demon, yeah. or if it's like a it coming, small intestine, or I don't know what it coming is. Coming out or going in? I don't know. Have we looked <laughs> up to see what this movie is about? It's called okay. So guys, just so we're looping people in, and you know, they're since this is a podcast, they can't, they can't Let's just see. you know <laughs> guess what we're talking about. This is called American Guinea Pig: The Song of Solomon. Mm. what the actual fuck and i i'm seeing like articles that are saying song of solomon red band trailer will make you sick <sighs> so yeah i guess i it don't came know out. i don't know if this is like this sounds like it's gonna be some kind of like a shock horror movie i don't know if it looks like it's probably got a lot of elements of possession um which is cool. Like that sounds great, but I don't know. We'll see. I don't know how I feel about it. It it's giving me it's giving me a very <laughs> yeah. bad feeling. <laughs> I had to cl- close the window. So yeah, I'm yeah. Oh, thank you, guys. <laughs> it is not for. The, it looks like it's probably not for the faint of heart. So, a word of caution. I don't even know if I want to look this movie up. Um, but if you guys want to, you're more than welcome to. You sick motherfuckers. Um, The last one coming to Netflix is called Hold the Dark. I don't know anything about this, um, but it is on the list, so I'm going to read it. I have not really looked up anything about it. Um, Oh, okay. Summoned to a remote Alaskan village to search for the wolves that killed three children. Oh, a wolf (laughs) expert soon soon finds himself unraveling a harrowing mystery. Oh, Listen, right off the bat, guys, Alexander Skarsgård, I'm oh. in. Oh, yep, sign me up. Jeffrey Wright, which who is Bernard on Westworld, is in it. So oh, I'm cool. also in for that. But who is a wolf, like, a wolf expert? He's a wolfologist. Mm. It's no big. He's a wolfologist. You can get a degree in two. It. It's, it's like a two-year program. It's no big. I mean, cool. I don't, I just, I, I can't, I can't watch movies about animals. I'm not going to watch it. Yeah. I can't do it. I can't. And it's like about winter and that makes me sick too. So (laughs) anyways, I'm done with Netflix. All right. I am next with stuff coming on Hulu in September. And all of these, uh, most of these are coming out on the first. So the first one is the Amityville horror, which I'm assuming is the Ryan Reynolds version. (laughs) Bless. (laughs) <laughs> we'll watch. Bless, we'll yes. Watch. Love it so Hashtag much. Hashtag oh. wood. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he is like a Greek god yep. in that movie. And he's also terrifying. And terrifying. And Let me tell a quick story about this movie, though, because I, around that time when that version came out was when I really was kind of getting into horror movies. I was going to see them in the theater. It was around the time where, like, The Ring was coming out. We were getting all of this, you know, you know, pretty substantial, okay, okay horror. I feel like that that was like a pretty good era for it. So I went to go see this movie. It scared the absolute piss out of me because I was, you know, probably being a baby around that time because I wasn't like super desensitized as I am now. Um, (laughs) But in the movie, all the crazy shit happens at like four o'clock in the morning and mm-hmm. 
um, I mean, I was still, you know, at that time, like in high school and living, living with my parents. So we, I, I watched the movie, I went home and I was so scared because I couldn't sleep that I left the TV on, which I, I have to sleep in complete darkness, complete, like, you know, with a noise machine. So it was very abnormal for me to like sleep with the TV on. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not spinning a story. I woke up at four o'clock in the morning and a commercial for that fucking movie was on the television. <laughs> no. I, I, I would die of my bedroom so fucking fast. <laughs> Well, the question I'm, is: Was it, oh was it, it commercial was of him? Was it a commercial of him chopping the wood, or was it like the scary <laughs> no, shit? It wasn't. Okay. It was probably. It, wasn't. it was the little him. girl putting the finger in her <laughs> fucking head yeah. in oh, the God. bullet hole in her head. Like that part still haunts me to this day. Because like you just wake uh, up and you've got this little girl shoving this guy's finger into right. the bullet hole in her head at four o'clock in the morning. I cried. I think I actually cried. Uh, I have wow. to say, like catching him. Catch him, kill him, blood splattering all over his face. So is good. what sticks out in my brain. I'm just like, it was so good, and it's still okay. so good. Like I actually yeah. really, really love that movie. Yes, I agree. Excited yeah, about that. It's one of the it's one of the better remakes, I would say. I think didn't we have an episode about that? Probably. Yes. Yeah, I mean, know. yeah, we have discussed it before. Yes. yes. So cool. Cool. Next is the dark half which I, I'm pretty sure I've seen this movie. Stephen King adaptation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, about George Stark, I believe, is mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, the killer in this movie, which it's not giving anything away. Uh, but there is a little bit of a twist. You just have to watch it. Um, I love the beginning, might I add. Um, great book, too. Uh, next is The Fly. Oh, nope. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nope. Oh, yeah. Nope. I need to revisit this one, you guys. Nope. Body horror? Yes. No. Absolutely not. That is in the category of three movies I will never watch again. You're like, hard pass. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. I haven't seen it in so long. so but So I may be feeling like you do, Katie. (laughs) Regret that one. Never again. Yeah. Um. Next is Joyride, which is a guilty pleasure of mine. Uh, R.I.P. Paul Walker. Mm-hmm. I do love this movie. Candy Cane, Baba Black Sheep. I think it's hilarious, too. I don't know about you guys, but, I mean, the pink champagne, it gives me all the feels. That's when I like to turn on the, and just have it on in the background. Uh, but if you haven't seen it out there, you need to watch it. It's just it's a fun, scary movie. Um, next is The Midnighters. Which I'm not familiar with. I don't know if you guys are. No, I am not. That is not something it, I've ever. It, um, it, it it was kind of a riff off of the uh, the creep show story. The, uh, I mean, I don't think they intentionally did it, but it sounds like the same plot. They, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't. I don't. I mean, I, I think if I tell them this, it's the same thing. It's the same thing I saw on Google, so I'm not really spoiling it. But <laughs> basically, a couple they, I guess they hit somebody with their car and they put the body in the back seat instead of calling the police and the ambulance. And it kind of goes from there. So that's similar to the, the, sh- the episode, the story from creep show too. So that sounds good. Um, next is poltergeist part two, the other side. I don't think I've ever seen part two. 
I haven't either. So I love the original. Yeah, I remember part or three. They like that. moved it to the the skyscraper or whatever, and that yeah. was like the the little girl died like right after that one was made. But I don't I don't remember yeah. a single thing about two. Yeah, me neither. I'll have to revisit that one or actually visit that one. Uh, next is Pumpkinhead. Yes, yes. I love I've this actually movie. never seen those. Oh. Yes. I've never so seen good. any of the Pumpkinhead movies. Well, and Pumpkinhead. I'm sure that my, my buddy Jesse is, if he listens to us, is like shaming me because he <laughs> just posted about that movie the other day. Well, that yeah, one, the first um, one's great. Is actually yeah. celebrating its 30th anniversary this year. So, Dude, how do you know about all these anniversaries? Google! <laughs> Google! Love a good Google. And then part two, Miss <laughs> uh, Linnea yes. Quigley was in, which we That's right. interviewed her. So. Yes. So that'll be on there as well. Um, and then on September 4th is Daphne and Velma. That one looks like a lot I'm of fun. Which I'm assuming is an Archie thing. Scooby-Doo. Wait, Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Wow, Lena, good job. Very close, very close. Uh, yeah, yeah, so close. Um, yeah, it's it's actually a live action, and it's like a prequel, and so it kind of talks okay. about how they got together as friends, and they saw like anything a... anything about this. Hmm. Live Sounds action, really? Yeah. Yeah, hmm. um, it, I think it technically came out last year, um, but uh, I, saw it, uh, I saw it at Target. The Blu-ray was available earlier this year, so... But um, definitely a PG thing. But like they they get together and they start solve a mystery, and I think it's like a ghost kind of related thing. So looks 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 fun. Yeah. Um, and then on September 11th is Body Snatch, which I have not seen, but we'll look forward to watching. And then on September 29th is Jigsaw. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. Which guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually still have not seen it. I haven't either. I have not gotten around to watching it. And you guys know how excited I was about that movie. And time just got away from me. And I just, it never happened. Yeah. So I've got to, I've got to do it. I've got to do it. Well, now it'll it'll be free. Yeah. On your calendar, September 29th. Yes. Yes. Well, I have the Amazon Prime stuff. Um, kind of doing the same thing that um, they did last month. They're kind of copying um, Hulu. So they're also showing Amityville Horror, The Dark Half, Joyride, Poltergeist 2, Pumpkinhead, Pumpkinhead 2, and Jigsaw. So those are all be available, I think, on the same dates, too. Um, they are also showing uh, Ghostbusters 1 and 2, which are just classics. Um, and then they're also showing Strangers Pray at Night on September 5th. Um, and I, I know I didn't see that one in the theaters. So um, I didn't see, I haven't seen that one yet at all. Yeah. So next week. I've heard it was that, good. That one will be available. So not a ton. Amazon had a lot more the last couple months. And this, this month they, they're kind of cop, just copping what Hulu did. So I mean, they got to do what they got to do, I guess. More money, more problems, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I've got <laughs> Shudder to round it out. Um, and to be completely honest, the majority of these I've never heard of. Um, Bait 3D. Do you guys know? Let's play Who Knows These Movies. <laughs> Bait 3D. The no. I2. Nurse 3D. I have heard of that one. 
Dan Curtis's Dracula. Never Who is Dan Curtis? Sure. I I, I want to say it's I want to say it's British because I think that aired in the UK. So I think he's a UK director. Well, cool. Yeah. I'll give him a chance. Uh, Dead of Night. That is also oh. Dan Curtis. I'm sorry. Um, oh, really? That's like an anthology. So that one, I oh. think, I think that's could be cool. Interesting. Um, Old Boy, which I actually did start, and it is, I believe, a Korean film. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting, and I just never got around to watching it. I have trouble actually paying attention to subtitles, even though if anybody knows anything about me, I am a fanatic of all things South Korean. Um, so like K-pop I can for usually, life. I mean, <laughs> uh, other things too, but yes, uh, I am primarily a K-pop fan, but I also love the language. Um, um, so that's usually like something that I can actually sit through because it's a language I like listening to and I don't get like super distracted, but I just, it's I'm kind of a strange spacey, story. So. Um, so yeah, it's, it's was kind of, it was kind of hard to keep up with. Yeah. So the remake I took didn't a, do it any justice. So, Oh, the one with Josh Brolin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I never watched that. So it was, but if you want to give it a chance, what I saw of it was pretty good. You've just got to really, really pay attention. Um, the next couple are revenge, which only just makes me think of that TV show. And I, I don't know if anybody watched Revenge, but I really, really loved that yeah. show. That show was magnificent. It was one of those like cheesy, cheesy shows with twists and turns and everything's about rich people and like who killed who. And I mean, it was basically like a soap opera, but way better. And I loved that show. So shout out to uh, shout out to Revenge which is probably not what they're talking about, but I believe that it's on Netflix if you want to watch the actual TV show. Um, Night of the Virgin, Let Us Pray, and Channel Zero, No End House. That seems like, you know, I don't know what any of that means. (laughs) I'm excited about that because I just watched the first season of Channel Zero and really really? enjoyed it. Yeah, it was really good. I've never heard of it. Yeah, it's on sci-fi. A lot of people are saying it's like the best horror show on TV right now, even better than American Horror Story. I've watched No In-House. It's really freaking creepy. Um, Because, I mean, doing... Doing a horror movie on television is hard. Yeah. It is not, it is no easy feat. Yeah, the first season just got put up sometime this summer, and now this is the second season. And they just finished the third season on Sci Fi, so that'll probably be out, you know, around Christmas or so. Um, Revenge is the movie I I watched a couple weeks ago. Um, It's it's a Shutter exclusive, but they released it in theaters and on demand first, and now it's finally coming here. And it's freaking rad. It's really bloody. Um, You know, it's kind of um, I don't know. Imagine somebody like um, I don't know, like Paris Hilton, you know, um, almost getting killed and then coming back for revenge. Like it's that kind of thing. Oh, I mean, it sounds interesting. Yeah, it's pretty rad. Um, Night of the Virgin kind of sounds like Once Bitten to me. Um, This this kid's trying to lose his virginity and he finds this older woman, and when they finally start doing stuff or whatever he finds out there's other stuff going on so it sounds kind of like the Jim Carrey movie once bitten um 
I don't know if it has anything to do with vampires or not, but that's kind of the premise. So, um, mm. I was also going to say, uh, Tubi TV, T U B I TV. They have a bunch of free content. A lot of it's with ads. Um, also Vudu, V U D U. Um, they're, I don't know if Walmart backs them or they, they own them. I don't know what the deal is, but like you can actually like sign in with your walmart.com login. So something's going on there. Um, it's historically mm-hmm. just a, uh, video rental place. So I think that's where I got revenge as I rented it from there, but they show a lot of free movies with ads and, um, it's, it, stuff's going away. I think by the time this airs, it'll have already gone, but like the first five nightmare on Elm streets were there. So like I watched part four the other day on lunch for, you know, for study purposes for this episode. And, um, and it only showed like two or three ads, you know, so it was just completely free to watch. So, so those are some good resources to check out as well. So, um, and then I think you, KB was going to mention some of the TV stuff too, right? Yeah. Still tying into a horror movie on television. Um, every, you know, two things that are very, very close, fast approaching that people have been pretty buzzed about. Um, of course the new, uh, new season of American Horror Story called Apocalypse, which is a murder house and coven crossover season. So, I I will be excited about this one. I know that I you know said earlier that I wasn't really into cult, um, but that doesn't with American Horror Story you can't like say that you weren't into one season, so you're not going to be into the next season because the story's never the same. So. This one should be really good because, you know, Murder House was the inaugural season, the inaugural story, and then Coven was probably their most popular season. I mean, even more popular than Hotel, and that had, you know, fucking Queen of the World Lady Gaga in it. So, you know, that's going to pull, I think, a lot of people back into the franchise. Evan Peters is, like, resuming his you know his role of tate which was like probably his most popular role so i'm i'm Mm. jazzed about it i will watch it um nashville people i know that uh tribe on church street will be screening the show every week so i think that that's probably where i'll be watching it i love tribe that is like one of my favorite bars so um i always watch drag race there so i i was there last night and they're they're showing apocalypse. So I think I might actually go, go there maybe once a week and watch it. So should be fun. Um, and then, you know, we recently got the purge movie. We will have our purge 10 episode series on September 4th. Um, and American horror story was on September 12th. Sorry to mention that, but, um, this purge series we've mentioned before, should be really, really interesting. It's going to kind of bridge some gaps and some stories. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, That's all pretty, I got. Sounds, sounds pretty exciting. Um, like we've been mentioning, you know, we've been, a lot of the year is kind of the, the driest spell. You know, there's some gems that pop up periodically, but, you know, late August through Halloween is really when stuff gets popping. So we're going to have a lot of yeah. content from now on this is uh these are a couple of heavy hitters so yeah. i do want to throw out some stuff on tv i do want to throw out there that um y'all might have seen this on instagram bloody disgusting announced that 
the new Nickelodeon like streaming service, Nick Splat, which mm-hmm. I haven't heard of yet, which I definitely want, is streaming all the Are You Afraid of the Darks. Yeah. Ooh. That is life changing right there. Oh, I'm not waiting for that. Yes. That's amazing. That's super cool. I I think we're going to, I think we're going to do, well, we originally were going to do it tonight, but we, we changed it and you'll see later, but I think we're going to do like a PG Halloween, um, episode or like a kid's Halloween episode. And, um, that's definitely going to be a part of it that show and favorite episodes and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, so I think we're to the point, uh, we're going to do Lena's fun facts. Um, starting to become a a highlight of the show. So um, here in a second, we'll get to her. Facts of the week. All right, Miss Lena, take it away. All right, guys. Today's fun facts are about our favorite Christmas sweater-wearing, butter-knife-welding, springwood slasher, Frederick Charles Kruger, also known as Freddy Kruger. (laughs) Yes. Hey, Art. he's the man. He is the man. Love him so much. He's so funny. He'd just be like the coolest uncle in here. <laughs> well. Um, we'll start with my first fact. Robert England, who we all know is is our beloved Freddy. Uh, he actually cut himself the first time that he tried on the, the Freddy glove. How crazy is that? That's a, I don't know if that's a good or a bad omen, but that's funny. Um, next, New Line Cinema was saved from bankruptcy by the success of uh, the first film. It was jokingly nicknamed the house that Freddie built. Yep. Which, yeah, I think it's they still uh, play around with that, that name, which is funny. Um, next, the original glove was used in A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, which we all know. Hey, what's up, Jesse? One of our favorite Scream Queens. Um, it was also seen on the wall of the workshed in Evil Dead 2. Mm-hmm. Now, this was a response to the use um, of the Evil Dead on the TV screen in the first film of Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, and it was part of just a continued banter between Wes Craven and Sam Raimi, which is fun. Um, however, when Wes Craven loaned the glove to the Nightmare on Elm Street 3 cast, it got lost and has never been located. So, I'm just wondering if it's hanging in someone's house. It's got to be. You just don't lose Freddy's glove. Yeah, I I wouldn't be be surprised. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I would have my eye on that thing, but who knows? Maybe the truth will come out one day. Um, Next, Jackie Earl Haley actually auditioned for the original movie, but his buddy Johnny Depp got the role instead. That's something I thought that was super interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. That it, is very interesting. And evidently yeah. Johnny Depp wasn't even auditioning. Like he just went to the right. audition with him and they were like, Hey, yes. won't you come in and yeah. Well, the thing about me with Jackie Earl Haley is that I think that he <laughs> would have been really good in the remake if he had been given a better script. Yeah, because he's a great actor, and he, he looks very, he very, very, very much looks the part. 
I just well, think that what, the he, makeup, what he had to work with wasn't great. Yeah, and then like the makeup made him look like a like a burnt turtle, you know. It was just <laughs> yeah. oh my god, a burnt That's turtle. very true. Very I agree with that. Plus the fact, you know, like the original movies, I know like the, I guess the script was written for him to be a child molester in the first place, but then they just made it like he was a child abductor, you know, killer. And then they went back to child molester for the Jackie Earl Haley version. And I was just like, come on. I don't know. I want the funny Freddy. Yeah. <laughs> the whole thing was a mess. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, and they had high hopes because, you know, the, the Texas Chainsaw remake with Jessica Bill was very popular. And even the Friday the 13th was very popular. I know a lot of people hated on it when it first came out, but it, it was, you know, it's gotten acclaim now and, it's considered pretty good. So they were, you know, least optimistic it was going to do that. And then it just was nothing like those other two. So. Mm-hmm. Nope. Um, all right. So my next fact, the very first time you see Freddie is not Robert England, but in fact, the special effects artist, because he knew exactly how to cut the glove. Um, and I could see that because every time I see Freddie that first time, he's cutting the glove off and the, the, green nastiness is spurting out of his hand. I'm like, that doesn't look like Freddy, you know, like actual Freddy. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Um, next is Heather Langkamp spent 12 hours in the bathtub while filming that infamous scene with the glove in the bath with her. Hopefully that wasn't all at once because she'd be very wrinkly toward the end, probably. (laughs) She'd be a prune. Wow, she would be a total prune. She would look like a burn turtle. Oh, <laughs> exactly. Freddy's yeah. Freddy's not burnt. He's just pruny. Yeah, and that, that would him be got wet. Be like a Jack Carroll Haley version of Freddy. See if anyone gets it. Um, next, Freddy Krueger, the character, released an album in 1987 featuring songs such as "Do the Freddy" and "Wooly Bully." So that's not on Spotify. I already looked, you guys. Uh, but it is on YouTube. I have it on vinyl. <gasps> you are kidding me. No. That's awesome. That is awesome. Thank you. You need to post, you need to post a picture of that later. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> I you. definitely, yeah, you definitely need to you, flaunt you that more often. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> That's what I do. I don't, I don't even, you know, I'm involved with Music City Horror. I say, I've got, I got the Freddie album on vinyl. He's <laughs> got all the cool shit. That's your acclaim. Acclaim to fame. And lastly, so September 13th, 1991, the mayor of Los Angeles proclaimed it Freddy Krueger Day after being asked by New Line Cinema uh, to proclaim it that day because they were releasing Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Uh, So September 13th, you guys, I think we need to do a Nightmare on Elm Street marathon. I don't know about y'all. We also need to time, we'll have to time a Freddy Krueger episode for that. Yes, that's actually a good idea. Maybe we'll just talk about every every year. We'll just talk about one Freddy movie. <laughs> I like that idea. That's all I got tonight for y'all. Beautiful. Yes. A, a, an A plus job as usual. Thank you, thank you. I think what Kayla always says is that your facts are probably like the, her favorite part of the show, and I think <laughs> that's my it's my favorite part of the show as well. Thank you. I have a lot of fun. You're just so great. So much fun. Well, I was going to do, um, I totally forgot to mention this earlier. Um, 
there's some stuff coming out at the theaters next month. I didn't mention that, did I? We skipped that. We did. Cool. Um, so The Nun is probably the big one. comes out in, uh, September 7th. Um, there's, yeah, there's also one called Super Cold Skin. Um, I don't know much about what is it. That? Yeah, also comes out the 7th. Um, I'm pretty excited about this one. It's The Predator. Um, comes out on the 14th. Mm, yeah. um, I'm on the Black. fence about that one. Um, I think it's going to be pretty good. I'm on the fence. I, think it's I good. wasn't really feeling the previews so far. So. Yeah. yeah. I would ignore those. I think they're going to be good. Um, I mean, it's the writers of the Mantra Squad, so they can have all my money. Ooh, yes. When Take my comes, money. <laughs> is Suspiria this month? Um, that's actually, I think, after Halloween. I think it's in November. But, guys, let's talk about that trailer. Yeah. Oh, my God. That trailer, like, I Chills. am bought. I am bought in now. Yeah, 100% bought in. That trailer, guys listening, if you have not watched the full-length Suspiria trailer, you will be blown away. It is just so beautiful. It doesn't give anything away. It's terrifying. I think think this new one they just released is a lot better. The first one was kind of how I felt is how you felt about Predator. I was like, Ugh. my biggest thing yeah. is that it, it looked like a 70s film. And it's mm-hmm. not even like a lot of people are bashing it for like, why aren't you doing the same kind of color schemes and all that? And I mean, I, I don't know why you'd want to try to copy that anyway. I'm sorry, but fuck people like that. That's yeah. so stupid. But it's like, it, it just almost looked like they're still trying to make it like a 70s, like a period thing. So that kind of put me off a little bit. It this new one beautiful. is just like crazy town, even though I think we're going to have to see D- Dakota Johnson dance. I mean, I don't really care about her. I know yeah. Kayla. Kayla doesn't like Dakota Johnson, and that's yeah. why, like, she's not super bought into it. But yeah. I know that once she saw the trailer, she was. She said that she was excited after seeing the trailer. So yeah, I think it's gonna be good. I think honestly, I think it's gonna be kind of like it. You know, a lot of people were worried about following yeah, I, the I classic so and and someone filling Pennywise's shoes and. You know, the same thing, Suspiria, for some people, that's like that's like a Mount Rushmore type of deal, you know. And um, I, I, so far, I think they're going in a different direction. So I think it, it it's freaking looks really good. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty, uh, pretty stoked about it. Yeah. Um, the final one is House with Clocks in the Walls, which is Eli Roth. It's going to be more of a kid's film, but... Um, it's going to be kind of spooky, kind of like a haunted house thing that comes out on the 21st. So, um, a lot of stuff happening in September on streaming on just, you know, television and also in the movie theaters. So, um, so yeah, so thank Lots you. Of fun stuff. Thank you for the fun facts, Lena. Um, so tonight yes. our episode, our episode, we are interviewing, uh, Nick Benson, Blake Best and Mick Strawn. Um, it was, um, Mick and Blake wrote a book called behind the screams and it's basically just all the behind-the-scenes stuff about Nightmare on Elm Street 4, which just celebrated its 30th anniversary, like, in the last couple of weeks. Um, and then Nick was one of the uh, special effects guys on the film as well. So we're basically going to talk a lot about the film itself um, and then also their book that came out and kind of tell you a little bit about that. Um, and so we're just really excited to talk to them and pick pick the brains of the people involved and um, kind of talk about how they came up with this book that kind of commemorates that. So when we come back, we will have them and we will see you here in a second. 
All right. So tonight's episode is pretty cool. Um, we have three guests with us, which I believe is the most we've had on here. Um, we have um, Nick Benson, Blake Best, and Mick Strong. And um, Nick, or I'm sorry, Blake and Mick uh, wrote a book called Behind the Screams. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, they're going to give us some details about that, the the new, you know, where we can find it, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Nick and Mick actually both worked on Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Um, so we're going to be able to dive into some of the behind the scenes secrets and, you know, working with uh, Robert England and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, um, gentlemen, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you. All right. So this first question is kind of a softball. So obviously Mick and Nick, y'all worked on this movie together, but how did everyone meet and also get involved with the book? Uh, I'll I'll let Blake take that one. Let's let Blake that one. Well, look at look at Nick. He's always a gentleman. That's something you'll that's something you'll uh, learn about him if you haven't figured it out. Right? Not only will he scare the shit out of you uh, with his special effects and, and leave an image burned into your brain, but he'll also be one of the most soft spoken, you know, kind people you'll ever meet. So he's always the. Uh, the uh, Those are my he, favorite def- kind of people. Yeah, well, he surprised me. I wasn't <laughs> expecting that, as he can attest, and I'm sure others can. I've met some people in the business where it's kind of not like that sometimes, but it was a pleasant surprise (laughs) meeting him and getting to, you know, be able to be his friend and kind of connect and, and work together. But uh, what happened was, um, that's always how you start these things. What happened was, Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, Mick uh, approached me, uh, in December, uh, and, and he called me up really late because he forgets, uh, he's by his time is like, you know, an hour or two before, you know, behind mine. So he calls me and it's almost 11 o'clock at night. I'm in bed and he says, Hey, and I'm like, Hey, he's like, uh, so what do you think about doing a book on Nightmare on Elm Street four? And I said, I've been thinking about doing one myself for the longest time, but I think it's a great idea. You know, the 30th anniversary is, is coming up this year, you know, August 19th. And he was like, so what do you think about writing a book with me? And I, I, for whatever reason, there was no hesitation. I said, yes. I mean, I didn't, I don't know why. I think it was because I was excited. I think it was because I was really tired. I think it was because uh, I spent the better part of a year and a half talking Freddy Krueger and I wasn't quite ready to let him go yet. Uh, so I said, sure. So he said, okay, well, let's start at the beginning of the year. And of course me, I don't ever pay attention or listen to what people tell me when it comes to uh, deadlines. I started about three weeks sooner. And then, you know, uh, we started working and talking with people. And then I asked Nick if Nick would be willing to share his stories uh, because he and Mick had both been on a podcast that I was a guest on a couple of years ago where we discussed Nightmare 3 and Nightmare 4. So they both said, you know, let's share stories. Everybody share stories. So Nick was very, uh, very receptive to that idea. And he actually had been trying to get me to do a book on Nightmare 4 for probably about a year or so since I went to Vegas. I think he was mentioning it to me while I was uh, in Vegas that he thought it would be a good idea to do a book on that film because it's such a seminal film in the series. And uh so yeah, we had, a, we had a drinking conversation with Mick, myself, and Blake in a bar <laughs> <laughs> about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, if I recall correctly, while signing Blake's glove. I was going to yeah. say, it was right there. The glove was in front of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, have a, I have a couple of prop gloves that were, uh, you know, modeled after uh, stuff in the film. So, of course, the, my inner fanboy, uh, you know, them being friends and me still being 
new to their circle, I was eager to bring something for them to, to sign, but it was quite a trade-off, actually. They signed my glove, and I came home with a torso. And that's not supposed to be as scary as it sounds. But it's now imagine going through the airport with that. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Getting out of the elevator of the El Cortez Hotel was the bigger problem. I get in the elevator with this torso because Nick gives it to me in a white plastic bag, which is how you give people a body. Like you do. In a white, like you in do. a white bag, you know. So I get in there. Purpose. You haven't figured that out yet? Yeah. <laughs> so he, he gives it to me, and I get in the elevator, and there's a lady in there, uh, a cleaning lady with her supplies, taking the you know the elevator up. Uh, uh, and... Uh, I've got it, and then she looks over at me, and I smile at her. And just as I go to open the door, because uh, I talk, you know, my floor, the torso falls out of the bag a little. So all she could see is this bloody, flesh-colored thing in this bag. And I don't know why I did. I don't know why I did it. I have no idea. I guess it's because I just wasn't thinking. I opened the door to step out. I turned back and said, "Have a good day," and then walked out. I'm sure I ruined her fucking life, you know, by doing that. But. Because uh, that's you know, that's not what a serial killer would say at all. Well, what, yeah, what goes on in Vegas stays in Vegas, including body parts. Right. <laughs> you know she'll never forget that moment, though. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Well, what he's not what he's not <laughs> telling you is that security showed up in his room ten minutes yeah. later. <laughs> well, uh, the the truth of that is, I went to go have dinner uh, with uh, with Nick and, and uh, his lovely wife at a. Uh, at a, a restaurant and security that was supposed to be guarding us came up and started asking for autographs and pictures. So it's like, well, I don't know how effective security is going to be this evening. You know? <laughs> That's awesome. Now, uh, Blake, you've written some other books on uh, Freddy and the Nightmare on Elm Street universe. Uh, can you tell us about how you got into being in Freddy's world? Oh, you found out about the other book. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what happened was again there we go with that um, when I was really young uh, home was kind of a really scary place for me so I sort of dived into horror because I uh, I thought that it would be interesting because I was kind of living somewhat of a spectacle life at home and wanted to uh, wanted to uh, you know kind of get out of that and look at horror stuff so I started with you know Edgar Allan Poe and then I worked my way up to to Stephen King, I did some R.L. Stein, Dean Koontz, and then when I was older, Brett Easton Ellis and some of the others, and, and I just decided, you know, I, after a career in the music business, I retired from that in 2013, and I decided to just write, uh, write full-time. By that point, I had already been published a couple of times and uh, for short stories and, and essays, and I decided to go ahead and tackle a book project. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Andy Mangles, wrote the original Nightmares on Elm Street comic book series in the early 90s, and he had some notes, so I talked to him, and he provided me with his notes. So I took his notes of these names, and my idea was to create an origin novel for Freddy because throughout each of the films, as Mick and Nick both can uh, attest, you get bits and pieces of his of his origin, but you don't get a really whole, concise, complete story of it. And I wanted to change that, and I started with the original 20 kids that he murdered before being murdered by the parents of Springwood. So I started when, from his birth, uh, when he was uh, you know, born of a breech birth, the product of a rape uh, in a, at a Hathaway, you know, Hathaway house, which was later renamed Weston Hills. That was, the, uh, that was the one that showed up in Nightmare 3. That was the institution for the, uh, the kids and for people that were having trouble you know, adjusting to life and you know, um, 
and all that. And, and it was an asylum for the criminally insane. So I started with that and then worked my way up to all of his murders, his marriage, uh, the birth of his daughter, and then his murder at the hands of the parents in 1971. So I started with that and then just completed it. You know, and the book ends with Thompson calling in uh, the murder. You know, he's, he set the uh, place on fire, the boiler room. He looks at his wife and I, I won't, I'll try not to curse too much, but he looks at her. She's got the glove in her hand and he says, get rid of that effing thing. Uh, you know, and that's sort of how the book ends is with him calling in this fire, you know, having made an understanding amongst everyone there. We're not going to talk about this. We've become what what we hated most. We became murderers in order to stop the murder of our children. So we, have, you know, we have essentially become what he was, more or less. And that's sort of how the book ends. So that that was my first foray into the world of Nightmare on Elm Street, and I, I uh, had a lot of support from from Mick and from Nick both. They both championed this book ridiculously. They stood behind me when it caused a little bit of a buzz and a little bit of controversy among Nightmare fans. They stood behind me and, and they both thought it was well done and and you know it could it, you know could be canonical. So that was that was good enough for me. And I think that's probably what helped me get my my later job working with Mick, you know, was the that book. So nice. well I gotta I gotta tell you as a you know, I would say if I really had, if I had a gun to my head and somebody made me choose what villain I love the most, my, my villain is definitely Freddy. So when I found out about this book, I re- got really excited because a prequel is something that I've wanted for years. So I feel like I'm finally getting it. So I will be purchasing a copy and reading it. Um, as well, good as luck with that. Good luck with finding If you find a copy, get one for me too, because... You can't find them anywhere. Oh, I actually really? will have to. I'll have to email you a PDF because the company closed. I will, I will take an emailed PDF. Uh, the, com- the company closed, and now That's the book is, is on Amazon and eBay. And if you go to Amazon, there's a copy up there now for two thousand thirteen dollars. Oh yeah. Woo! So it's become somewhat <laughs> of a of a collector's item. That's not. That's amazing. I that's, yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate for somebody that wants to read it, but it's, that's really, that's really cool. <laughs> like, that's not, I guess that's not really something that you would expect of, like, <coughs> fans to take it so hard to it. That they're trying to sell it for two grand. That's, I mean, that has to be very flattering. What was cool in my opinion, what was cool about that was there was so many naysayers in the beginning with this with Blake. They they sort of crucified him in a lot of ways, and I yeah, you know I, I really tried to help him out. I know Mick tried to help him out, and it's kind of poetic justice to look at that today and see that thing for sale for so much money. Huh? And huh. you know, you know what I mean? It's, it's yep. poetic, yep. So. right? I can't I can't even imagine. And I hate uh, man. Fans have to be so elitist. It drives me crazy. But that's that's a you know different conversation. Um, my uh, Nick, my question is uh, directed towards you. Um, you you know you worked on Not Myron on Street Four with these guys, but you're also uh, a name from The Blob and Tremors, two very well you know very well known movies um, and kind of coveted movies in the horror community. How did you get your start? Well, believe it or not, uh, I was roommates with Steve Johnson, haphazardly. Wow. (laughs) 
That's the only way anybody does anything with Steve Johnson. Yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, really what, what happened was, is I, I was in a band and I was in a very theatrical band in those days. And, um, uh, I was doing a lot of weird stuff with my music and everything else and wound up roommates with Steve. And, and one day, I don't know what it was. I don't know. I don't remember what Steve was taking, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I remember a very uh, sort of wasted conversation of him saying something to the effect of, hey, how'd you like to come make rubber monsters? And I just basically said, of course. So Who wouldn't? That's what <laughs> right, it's, exactly. Who it, wouldn't say was, yes to that? Yeah, it was, it, you know, it was kind of funny because it's it's like I'm playing music and every other idiot in L.A. wanted to be a musician at that time. And, you know, I mean, we had a following and everything, but. You know, Steve. This is Steve Johnson asking me, "Hey, do you want to come make Rubber Monsters?" And I'm, yeah, what are you going to say? Of course, the answer is yes. <laughs> you I mean, know, I would do that right now. So, so, so that's, <laughs> that's kind of where it all started. It started there. I worked on a couple movies with Steve, and then um, I I met Screaming Mad George, and um, it, uh, it he and I artistically musically everything you know we just clicked he and i he and i were very kindred spirits and uh i went to work almost exclusively for george for quite a time um and then um popped off and did a couple side projects like the blob and um tremors uh because I, I started to get pretty well known for my fiberglass work and fabrication abilities so <clears throat> yeah, I wish we had time to talk about the blob. We 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 had a some of our episodes we do is they're called retro rewinds and we just talk about an old movie. So we talked about the blob on our last episode for the 30th anniversary and that's what I was trying to tell them is that the, a lot of those effects was actually fiberglass. So it looks like yeah. liquidy and stuff, but it's actually not. It was more it was fiberglass. So um, maybe sometime in the future we can revisit some of that stuff. Um, uh, we had a, a kind of a bonus question, but this applies to you and, and Mick, if y'all both know. Um, what was it? What what's what's it like working with um, um, Screaming Mad George? I mean, he's obviously <laughs> a legend, especially in the eighties uh, community. Do wait, you have wait, a couple, wait, 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 wait. couple sentences to sum sum that up. Well, wait a minute, because Nick can give you the working with him and I'll give you the working with him as a co as I'm coordinating everything and screaming mad George is there because they're two <laughs> entirely different questions. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like Nick, I guess you were saying you're kind of like Kendrick spirits and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. so, but yeah, I mean, again, he, especially in the, the realm of special effects, um, you know, he's one of the big, big names. Um, so what, what's your, you know, your two, yeah. two second review of working with him? Oh, me? Both, oh, both. Nick, if you've got Nick. an opinion. <laughs> go Nick, you go first. Okay. <laughs> so, so working, working in the depths with George, I mean, I say, I say that we're kindred spirits because, Really, really, we were um, artistically that. But th but I got to tell you, George doesn't shut off. His brain is constantly thinking and rethinking and rethinking things. And he's and he's probably five steps ahead of you. So 
sometimes when he blurts something out, because that's what he'll do, he'll just blurt something out. And he's thinking about something five steps ahead and you're like still on, you know, square three. <laughs> so, um, for George, it, you know, I mean, my, I, I'm the same way. I, I think I, th- I overthink a lot of things I'll say. Um, I'm not as vocal as George is, but George is constantly thinking and, and just revamping things even on the, on the fly. And sometimes it's very hard to keep up with him. Uh, but you know, I was able to do that for a, for a while. <laughs> and there, there are times that it got really challenging. Um, but he's, he is actually really fun to work with, really fun to work with. And he taught me a lot. So, and he trusted me with a lot yeah. you know, I did, I did with him. So I, you know, I he got really in has the depth. A, a specific <clears throat> vision. Yeah. Yes. Oh man. Yes. Like, I, he, oh. he is a surrealist through and through. Yeah. And, oh and yeah. <laughs> it is. It's no, a lot. That is so it's true. like somehow beautiful, but also just absolutely it's repulsive. <laughs> well, yeah, it's disturbing. Imagine for, imagine this. Now I'm the production designer and we would sit in the office and, and I swear to God, this is true. We would sit in the office and, and I drew the short straw, and I mean that, because we sat around, and Rachel and Karen, Rachel and Karen and, and Peter, and, and, and we're sitting around and going, okay, well, who's going to have to go down and deal with Screaming Mad George and find out what we need to do and what the schedule is? And nobody wanted to talk to him. Because it was an effort. It was an incredible amount of effort. So, so we sit there, and I think that they've written it because I kept drawing the short <laughs> And I would show up down at the shop, and I, here's the thing. I didn't understand what was going on because the, the concept – I knew the concept of the storyboard, but how he was going to do it and, – and, and and th- there's another factor here is at no time did you see anything all pulled together, right? Until we were on the set, mm-hmm. and so I'm trying to get an, a concept of what I have to give for the art department and for the mechanical effects department and for uh, the sets and for the camera and stuff. I am the one that's trying to pull that information together and I come into a room and and, and screaming at George is going around going, yeah, and this is a wing and he holds up a piece of fiberglass that doesn't, that is not cut out or anything like that and I go, okay, okay, that's a wing now, where does that go and how does it attach to the body? Well, the body is actually a piece of silk and, and then this is an arm that breaks back and it's connected to this and this and this and this. And he's standing and he's putting pieces like hold, like saying, well, here, one of his assistants, here, hold this over here. And, and then this is going to be coming like this. And that's going to go like that. And then, and then I would have to go back up to the office and they go, well, I, go, I, go, I have no idea. <laughs> it's like he's does quadratic equations and you're yep. looking at him like, huh? <laughs> exactly. Nick, Nick, did I miss it at all? 
No, no, not no. At all. That's he, absolutely. He has, that's what I mean. Is he's so far ahead of everybody else. <laughs> the stuff that's done, he sees it all the way to the finish point, and you're kind of like, okay, well, I don't see that yet, but okay. And, and, and <clears throat> this is it's. You're just looking at a whole bunch of disjointed pieces and stuff, and a lot of yeah. times, and especially with the cockroach thing, yeah. If you look at that sequence, um, an awful lot of the time, her body completes the puzzle, right? And this yeah. this is different. This is really difficult to understand. Is that you know, you he could show you the 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 bench, for instance, and the barbells, you know, and then you look in the corner and he goes, and those are the arms, and you see a fiberglass torso piece. And uh, you see a pile of arms in the corner, and you see a pair of barbells, and then you turn and you look right in Screaming Mad George's eyes, and you go, <laughs> and I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to tell you, it was it was it was it was a case of where I am on the set and I am watching it come together and going. Oh yeah. You see, one thing about a production designer is it is your job to pull things together and make it apparent to everybody else what's going on so that they can do their jobs. And I have to say that totally one hundred percent George defeated me at every stage. And but it is interesting though, because what it makes you is in a way, you're kind of the audience too. Because you're yeah. I, I made sure that I was in Glendale to see the girl break the arms because I swear to God I'd seen every piece, but but you know individually they didn't make any sense. Just like the cockroaches, individually all I saw was a couple of fiberglass pieces and maybe a thing or two that had antennas, and 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 he kept showing me a, a silk sock, and I swear to God, <laughs> right next. He showed me yeah. a silver sock. He would say, "He would say, Wait, let me ask you this, Mick. Let me ask ahead. you this, Mick. If it, in in his descriptions, did you get the mad laughter in between oh, yeah. everything oh, that he? I didn't want yeah. to bring that up because I didn't want to make it yeah. seem like he would yeah. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And, and this, the, way that, the, way, the way that he could make his eyes kind of counter go in 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 separate directions, going circles and stuff like that, and you're going, I have no idea." Am I still in California? <laughs> <laughs> he's that much of a, he's wow. like so much a genius and, and sees this finished product, no matter how not far along you are, he sees the end. He's already put it all together and he just finds it all hilarious when he's figured it all out. <laughs> right. It, it, it's he, amazing. He, Earned, trust me, he has earned that name, Screaming Mad George. Yeah, so, so the, the funny thing is, is that he, it, it is, it was kind of a, tr and, and I was irritated like everybody else. I mean, I made sure and give him a lot of pieces to work with. Um, you know that set, the set to that with the going down the the, uh, the roof section that was, you know, in it was. Uh, uh, 40 feet high at one end and it was six feet high at the other. And it was just this set of trusses and it was uh, 80 feet long. And we're trying to get her to run from one end to the other. 
and George and I are trying to explain to the GP how the camera is going to have to go up at an angle in order to work. He never understood it. But but the thing is, is I I am so rarely in a situation where I am a passenger, you know, where I I'm watching it come together, uh, you know, at the same and not understanding where it's going because. When we reached the trap itself, and there's, and I had to put the goo, I made the goo, you know, the, the and, and that's, that has an incredibly funny story that's in the book uh, about the making of the goo. <laughs> oh, yes, the methyl cellulose. Yeah, Ooh. super slime. Yeah. Yummy. Yes. Uh, I, I, I had a guy that was mixing super slime uh, at th- two o'clock in the morning. Uh, because we had just gotten it in that night. We had just gotten a 50-gallon barrel, and we were going to use it in the morning, and it was all clear. And this is super slime. Super slime is a very strange thing. It has absolutely no um, surface tension. And surface tension is the thing that makes liquids actually act like liquids. Without surface tension, you have no idea what's going on. <laughs> the application of energy to something that doesn't have a surface tension will make it go absolutely anywhere. And I only know that now. (laughs) From the point of view of I put, I had somebody uh, mix up a, was holding a drill motor with a big paddle on it. And um, I put the coloring in there in this 50 gallon barrel. We've taken the lid off. And um, I said, well, you know, go ahead. Go ahead and mix it up. That should be enough color, but we'll just we go. And I got to get back and finish these drawings in my office. I go back to my office. I'm sitting in my office for about 15 minutes, and all of a sudden I help. Oh, help! Oh, help! Help! Help me! And I run, I run into this room, and I come around the corner, and it kind of all I can say is it looked like the blob three years before the blob came out. <laughs> The entire contents, because of the application of energy, you know, the paddle moving around, the drill, the application of that energy made that means as the screw of the drill goes up like this. That application of energy without, you know, surface tension made all the contents inside of that 50 gallon barrel crawl up the drill and envelope. <laughs> Well, <laughs> he he almost drowned for fuck's sake. <laughs> Up to his chin, his chest, his back, around, completely around his arms was just a bubble, exactly like the blob. That is I mean, so funny. Writing this, listening to him tell this story, and I couldn't help it. Uh, my natural personality, when somebody tells me something like that, is my first response, and it's in the book, was. Damn it, Mick, you can't fucking let that stuff happen. You cannot let your workers get eaten by the effects on the set. Who the hell is going to build the effects if they die, you know? And and the thing is, is here's the other, the other problem is this, is this slime was incredibly expensive. And I had to like spend the rest of the night scraping the guy down. Oh my God. Back in the barrel. It was, ew. Yeah. It was like the ew that goes that keeps on giving. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, 
but I'll tell you a couple of things that you don't know about that set, about the uh, the glue set, is we actually shot that. Do you know where you see uh, Freddy's eye looking in on the set? And you think that that's the blue screen, right? It's not. We, we literally use rear screen, screen projection, which is the same... The same technology from 1920s that they would have used uh, in all kinds of different things. We literally took pictures uh, that we had used, uh, film that we had used uh, over on the breaking of the arms with Freddie in that room and played them back in real time as we were doing the bug stuff so that his eye would be looking in there all that time. Literally, when the film is done developing, it's completely done. The eye is there, the, uh, the cockroach is there, the set is there. It's all put together. I hope people are taking notes. <laughs> oh, well, you know what you might do is instead of taking notes, there's a book about it. <laughs> Just buy the book. Buy the book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. There, there you go. I mean, I mean you don't yes, have to it's, worry it's about writing book. anything. It's already there for you. I, I'm telling you, this book is going to be one hell of a ride. It's like the Disneyland from hell. Okay, I kid you not. That's my kind of tagline. I like it. Yeah. I track. I tracked down 36 people uh, from the film and. Uh, Blake kind of concentrated on the makeup effects, and I concentrated on the mechanical effects and, and carpenters and camera people and the music people. And I went after the first AT, uh, the people in the front office, uh, the carpenters, the set dressers, uh, prop people. Uh, it, it's The whole book is really a well-represented uh you know the crew is well represented in the representation that it makes of that film and that film is such a huge uh it's one of the rare films that i worked on where it seemed like everybody was there to do the best they could and a lot of these people were at the beginning of their careers and went on to do really amazing things you know but but this is where they cut their teeth. Well, yeah, and then a couple of the other great things, Mick, is one of my favorites, other than this, the makeup effects section, was talking to uh, uh, Charlie Bellardinelli. You guys <laughs> may not know that name, but he was in the first Nightmare on Elm Street. He is the one that builds the glove on on camera that you think is Freddy. He's building all the glove oh. together and taking it apart. Nice. So, cool. yeah. yeah, so he was with it through the very beginning, since the very first... Uh, very first night Royal on street. So you get a lot of that stuff. And then you get, like Mick said, a lot of people that went on to do, I mean, look at Mick. I mean, he, he went on to do uh, society and trimmers and, and, uh, you know, bride of reanimator and all these great films. And, and, you know, nightmare four was like something right there, sort of in the, in the howling for, I mean, nightmare four was kind of just like the springboard into bigger and better things for everybody. And I, and I went, I, I went on to do an $800,000, version of the fantastic <laughs> that's so funny well speaking you know since we're talking about nightmare for being the success that it was it was one of the highest you know was the highest grossing movie of the entire series until jason versus freddie um 
But we wanted to actually talk really quickly about the like some of the kills and what our favorite kills is. So my favorite kill, of course, is the Invisible Freddy fight. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's silly. With laundress. Somehow it just makes sense. Um, in you know, in the realm of Freddy, is just that camp. Um, it was just it was so funny to just all of a sudden have that. That I, judo studio. <laughs> I, I had a great interview with Andres, and I and I gave him I, I gave him uh, credit for being um, everything short of the cameraman. <laughs> he, he, he did his own stunts. He did his own effect. <laughs> it was very very believable. Did it all. That's talent. That's talent. It was very, very believable. But I mean, when you read the book, that sequence originally was going to be markedly different than what it turned out to be. I'm not going to give too much away because hint, hint, by the book, by the book, um, (laughs) to get the full story. But uh, but there was a lot more involved there. And then Mick, there's a great story during that sequence. I don't know if you want to get into it, but there was a, somebody that was like the wrangling pin for the extras too. <laughs> <laughs> I saw. Here's, a, I, I'll, I'll tell you that little story because that was pretty funny. Is we used to use that that particular set because they had all those platforms in it. We used to just set the extras over there and they'd hang out there all day long. And uh, one day I happened to walk up behind one of those curtains and. Uh, the, the the extras are one at a time. They're they're doing um, imitations of the crew and of the of the other actresses and of you know like Bob Che and all the rest of that. And, and I'm just kind of walking, watching from behind the curtains. And um, all of a sudden, somebody goes, "Hey, I can do Mick." <laughs> and I was oh like, God. Oh, "Holy shit!" <laughs> and he gets back there. And he, he gets back and he kind of like does the same thing that I was always known for was he would lean before he would start walking. He would lean into it and then he would start walking. It's kind of like this kind of a super determined Groucho Marx thing. <laughs> and he goes and he leans into it and he walks to the middle and he and he stomps and he stomps his feet and stands in one place and he goes, okay, I need three, seven little things up there and three of them over here. I need seven things to get over there and five to do this down here and get it. I need it done right now and I'll be back over here and stomps off the stage. And as he stomps off the stage, he walks right past me. <laughs> I sort of looked him in the eye and kind of like fast. He was gone. <laughs> so, uh, good time, headball. That's amazing. Yeah. I actually wanted to ask you about the one of set face Sheila kill because that's actually my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sucked. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, you know, there was a lot of makeup. Uh, uh, who did the effects on that? It was Chris Biggs and Chris Tom Loughton. Yeah. Right. Chris yeah. Biggs. Uh, they put that all together what I thought was really interesting about it was uh, how they did the eyes you know milky look in the eyes where they go milky that was really really super creative what they they did is they used clear eyes you know with the uh, with a a slight uh, uh, darkening for the uh, uh, retina in the middle 
and, and then what they would do is they would inject a uh, a white fluid into it through the the liquid that was in it, and slowly it would uh, displace the clear liquid in there and, and go out the other side. So that's how you're looking at the eyes, and the eyes all of a sudden just go milky as as it's deflated. Oh yeah, that's, it's a great it's a cool. great story. Um, Tom, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go 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 ahead. Um, I did an interview. That was one of the people. He was first assistant for Chris on that film, and he gave me some good stories about uh, Sheila's death sequence, and also he worked on the resurrection, the, the famous dog pissing fire gag. He did some of the casting there, but he said, yeah, it was a. Uh, there was an initial stage of her looking alive, and then they made a core for it that allowed areas to be sucked in using pressure. And then they, like Mick said, they would do that, uh, uh, that injecting the fluid into the eyes. And one of the funny things about that was he mentions this is all pre-CGI. Today, that whole sequence would probably be computer-generated. But back then, it was all practical. And I, I, that's something that I love and the reason why uh, Mick Benson and Bill Forsh and, and the like, you know, all those – people that, that I've, you know, grown close to. That's the reason that I love their work so much is because they they made practical, believable effects instead of sitting in front of a MacBook Pro, you know, spending $20,000 on some fake-looking image that you could tell, obviously, was fake, you know? Absolutely. I love that. Well, the other... So I think we kind of touched on um, Debbie's death at the Roach Motel and everything, but... Um, Mine's kind of like a two-parter because I I think part four was the first one that I vividly remember watching. Um, I just remember towards the end, like right before Freddie gets killed, that scene where they're kind of like the camera's kind of twisting upside down and it goes through. It's almost like it's going through his body and all the bodies are poking through. That right. was on a little stinger for HBO. So they were kind of like advertising it for airing it and whatever. And I just remember right. seeing that and like, what the hell is that? I was probably eight, you know what I mean? Um, but that was filmed, that was filmed, uh, directed by Jerry Olson. Nice. And, and, uh, it was actually shot by Russ Carpenter, who at the time was like, uh, ancillary, uh, DP. I think he was like the, like the 37th unit or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but there were so many units shooting all the time. Uh, it, it, at one point, Lisa uh, was talking, uh, uh, Lisa Wilcox, talking about walking across the stage, and, and she was following herself yeah. as as she passed herself. <laughs> <laughs> she said there was one point where there were five of her in in the stage at once, right? <laughs> Well, and that's true. And another one of my favorite things is you're talking about uh, uh, you're talking about the death sequence of Freddy with all the souls poking out. Uh, Nick actually was one of the more prominent souls that uh, uh, popped up out of Freddy's sort of shoulder area, and he has a really awesome story that's just unbelievable. It's just it's amazing, and he's got he's been to a couple of these commit these conventions where they have the puppet. Uh, in the prop collection to prove that Nick, I really want you to tell that story because they're going to absolutely die when they. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how how good of a story it is because I, you know, I I'm still afraid Robert's still mad at me. <laughs> oh no! Oh yeah. no! 
Yeah, I uh, yeah, it's 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 a good story, but uh, you know, I basically got fired from puppeteering that puppet. Um, so so we're we're in the throes of of trying to shoot this thing, and Robert's strapped to this uh, piece of wall, and there's about ten of us around him. I think his parents were there that, at that on that set too. They were his, his mother and or his father and his father's girlfriend. Yeah, yep. yeah. So. We're trying to shoot this thing and, you know, we're doing multiple takes and, and uh, I'm, I'm trying to puppeteer this shoulder puppet and, uh, you know, Steve keeps, actually there's video of this somewhere. I think Blake has a copy of it. (laughs) I I have it. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, he's asking me, you can hear Steve asking me because Steve's directing shot and you can hear him asking, Hey, more, more, give me more. So I'm I'm going crazy with this thing, and I wind up stabbing Robert in the neck because a, a an armature wire popped through one of the hands of this thing, and uh, it actually is stabbing Freddie in the neck, and he's yelling, but no one's really you know because he's supposed to be yelling, so no one's really paying much attention. So Robert yells, "Cut!" and he's like, "Cut! Cut! I'm getting stabbed!" And so uh, yeah, so I basically lost my puppeteering job that day and went to puppeteer other things. But oh uh, gosh. That's it. I'm I'm the guy that stabbed Freddie. Nice. <laughs> hey, I mean, I guess you stabbed Freddie before Freddie could stab you, right? There you there go. You go. <laughs> yeah, being, you being you you're the you're the true champion of Freddie Krueger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here, 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 here. Yeah. We uh, uh we we got to funny. interview Linnea Quigley, and she kind of told us about that sequence, you know, busting through the, yeah. the thing. Now she was on the the big the big model though, right? Yeah. Like the twenty five yeah. version or whatever. Right. Yeah, the one that lost yeah. control and nearly That's killed what, yeah. someone. Yeah, That's yeah. <laughs> And you know, part of that part of that goes back to the fact that we were filming everywhere. We were filming yeah. we were filming beach sequence in in Long Beach. We were filming in in uh, uh, the the Rialto Theater, which was in Pasadena. We had we were filming the uh, where uh, Alice is sucked into the theater. We're filming that uh, up in Highland uh, Highland in Hollywood. The Cravian, yeah, exactly. The Cravian was uh, down um, in Culver City. Uh, of course, the junkyard, the junkyard was uh, two acres uh, in the middle of Arletta, in the middle of like the, the uh, all the junk, the uh, auto graveyards, which, which just the sequence of listening to uh, uh, Peter Chesney and me talk about. Uh, uh, my design of and his uh, his design of the uh, of all the mechanical work that was involved in the grave in the uh, junkyard is worth the price of admission all by itself. Um, we, you know, the all the way out to the the, the sets in the, on on the stage that are in uh, Saugus. Uh, up in Canyon Country, uh, we were all over the place. <laughs> well, we had, if I remember correctly, Mick, we had six stages going simultaneously just where we were, right? Right, exactly, so just where we were. Stages. But you, but we were also filming at everybody else's, <laughs> everybody else's shop. Yeah, remember, yeah. We, we were filming at uh, Steve Steve's shop. We were filming at yep. a place that we had rented just to put the uh, the torso in. 
and yep. filmed that there on that stage. We yep. were uh, filming Peter Chesney's shop. We, we, there, there wasn't a place in town that we weren't filming on that. Uh, we were everywhere. I, I swore I would get up in the morning. I would uh, do drawings uh, until I would get up and get to the stage at six. I'd do drawings until seven thirty or eight. Uh, I would get on the road. I wouldn't. I I would visit all the locations and I uh, for the sets I was building and what I was designing. And I wouldn't get back until uh, nine o'clock at night. And uh, and uh, you know get a chance to like start working on the stuff on the stage again. You know, it was, it was a pure lunacy, but it was so much fun. I <laughs> as, as long as it's fun, right? You got to love what you do. Uh, absolutely. What you do. Absolutely. I, think, I think that part of the reason that I wanted to do Nightmare on Elm Street 4 was because it, it's, it's a perfect example of all the killer work that everybody did for it. And everybody worked together. You know, I mean, there were yeah. like some fights and squabbles, but boy, I got to tell you, all of us were always moving in the same direction, and um, and and we were big. Oh my God, we were big. I, I think one of the coolest things about too, though, was Rennie. Rennie gave a lot of the, you know, a lot of us artists just like creative freedom. To do Go whatever. ahead, do it. You know. Well, he only you know, he was like, oh, that sounds great. That sounds great. Just do it. You know. So he gave. He started. He started six weeks before filming, and let's face it, there was. By the time he came in, the junkyard was already two weeks constructed. We were already on the stage. Uh, all, all, virtually every makeup effects was started by that point. <laughs> so, well, and and I just uh, and this is kind of going back backpedaling a little bit, but um, my first it was funny because I my first experience with Mick this was this was like right before Nightmare Four. We were shooting at Dream Quest. We were shooting the Blob. And I was working on that, and I remember going across to another stage with another puppeteer on the Blob, and I actually met Mick in there on the miniature version of the. Right. <laughs> and I couldn't. I couldn't place. That. I actually couldn't place my memory of that junkyard until about a month ago when I when I had that that same puppeteer that's now an actor he came up to visit me here in Vegas and uh and you know we had a talk and he's like no don't you remember we went over to that stage and you were talking to Mick and you know and I'm like oh no wonder I remember that yeah that's right <laughs> no wonder <laughs> I remember. That well, I told you because you yeah. had the weirdest hair in the world. And I told you that I had yeah. talked to mm -hmm. you. That, you know, because yep. that the, the yep. thing is, is you would walk up and, and you know how you, you kind of associate people because you, you don't remember names, right? Because yeah. because all of a sudden you're you're always working with like completely different groups of people. And, and there were, honestly, <laughs> IMDB says that there were like probably 50 people working on the film all together and easily there was 200. <laughs> There were so many people working on that film, but the thing is, is I I remembered you immediately because I I always acquainted you uh, uh, immediately as a as a uh, a Japanese fan. I had commanding <laughs> hair. Yes, you did. <laughs> his his hair was so long. Hey, that it was so razor straight. 
It was it was like standing right up, and it was like I've seen it before where people have like, uh, you know, they they make it at the base. It's like three or four inches wide. Not Nick. No, Nick was like like a half an inch at the base and a half an inch at the top. All, and that, that is hard work. I've got it a is. friend that does that, and it is hard work. I never figured it out. I was like, wow, how does he get this hair? Because I was a long-haired guy, but I wasn't about ready to do that. <laughs> I, yeah. I couldn't do that much work. <laughs> yeah. Well, rounding, what, what can rounding I say? back to the book, um, I want to do a quick fire. So tell us what part, but you can't explain it. And it has to be like an immediate answer you can't think about it it just has to be your first answer that comes to your mind what is your favorite section of the book like if you had to pick a section what would it be whoever wants to go first oh yeah uh, i'll tell you right now uh peter's um uh peter's and my uh uh uh, interview okay the toll takes okay who's next well, why don't we let Nick go? Why don't we let Nick go, and I'll go last. Okay. <laughs> Just because Mick is. Mick. <laughs> what was that? My favorite is mixed because you're you you are who you are. <laughs> <laughs> I like that answer. There you go. <laughs> you're bananas, dude. <laughs> Well, well, thank you very much. I take that as a compliment. <laughs> I got in a fight with my neighbor the other day, and he says, you're just a damn fat old hippie. And I go, well, okay, I'll take it. You are who you are. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, I have to say Chapter 14, Church of the Immaculate Freddy, because that was the death sequence of Freddy. And, and I mean, I got to see and, you know, be with with Nick and with Bill Forsh and everybody up close. And I've actually got a really special bond to that, guys, because in my office, and it was just at the convention, I have the last surviving piece of Robert England's sweater for the soul's were tearing out of him. They were going to throw away, and Bill Forge saved it, and 30 years later, he sends me his script, this letter piece, and one of the last chains from Tuesday night's death sequence in a package, so I have all that in my office. That's so cool. That's that sounds like the the chapter that I'll want to read. (laughs) So good. There's so much much there. Yeah. There's so there's I, so I many details wait. in it. There's so many details about how stuff was done and 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 how people re, reacted to each other and and it's a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It, it was a lot of fun, and I I really like you know I'm I was really really honored to be able to just take care of the makeup effects because all of those guys that uh that Nick and Mick were talking about Screaming Mad George, Steve Johnson, Bill Forsh, Bart Mixon, Mark Garbarino, and all the rest of them, Lenny McDonald, they're, they're all so important to me because growing up, I really liked the monster making and, and they really made a scared kid kind of come out of his shell and, and, and explore monster movies and things. And Mick as well with, you know, the junkyard and with all the other, the other work, you know, the Freddy snake from part three, you know, and, and making that work and just, they really brought the movies alive. And I'm just thankful that they're not only, you know, contributing to the book and help make it what it is, but they're also my family. They're my friends and family. And I love each of them 
to death. I mean, I spent so much. Nick got me my first convention, so I'm forever in debt to him for that. And, and, and you know, he brought me in and, and introduced me to Mark Garbarino and to William Forsh and, and so many others. And then Mick, Mick, you know, brought me on and, you know, decided to, you know, asked me to do a book with him. I mean, Mick is one of the biggest production designers in the business. He's worked on everything. I mean, from Mantis to the Fantastic Four to Boogie Nights to Eight Heads in the Duffel Bag to Candyman to you name it, he's done it. And it was just legendary. And then Robert, obviously, last year, Mick, you have to tell the story about uh, them trying to take my wife out of the building and you and Robert and Lisa said put her down because that's Blake's wife they were trying to haul her out of the house. Uh, well that happened (laughs) Uh, it was it was rough it was rough (laughs) oh my god well i know um i've personally read never sleep again which was um kind of deals with the beginning of the first nightmare and then the production of it um so we're really excited for this one um speaking of which uh blake uh you had your first signing this weekend right was, was that in uh, knoxville i did yes cool. i was a i was one of the guests at CreepyCon, and i oddly enough i met a family member that i didn't know was a family member until wow. my wife informed me uh santiago cirillo from the walking dead is my wife's adopted sister's uncle so wow. he is my uncle wow. so i got to go spend time with him and he uh, got a book and then put on a glove and of course he held the glove up to my throat like he was going to slip <laughs> because that's what you do with family and I try to yeah. slip other's, other's throats and, and uh, I didn't know until afterwards that he and, that Nick was familiar with Santiago's work so I think it's funny how this, we're six degrees of Kevin Bacon in this yeah, you know? yeah. but uh, it was a great time I had a lot of people want to uh, come up and, and look at the props and they asked about this torso that my wife brought for our table and that was built and fabricated by Nick. Uh, it was in Road to Hell and Bullet Face. It's screen used, bloody, just amazing thing. She's now got black paint from where she was done up with this special makeup effects and now there's a little bit of black on him and, and it was just all kind of neat, you know, like people asking questions and then the books, I mean, we sold so, you know, we sold uh, a few paper books, but I was surprised by how many people wanted to order uh, tablet versions because I didn't realize that was such a big thing. I'm a little bit technologically behind when it comes to uh, tablets and such. Um, so that was that was interesting, but I think probably one of the biggest things for me was opening up the book and kind of giving it a once over and, and looking over everything that we did and looking over Nick's section and looking over. Uh, you know, mixed stuff and Peter Chesney's and just seeing the, the effort and everything came to fruition because it was seven months of seven months of pure chaos. Uh, <laughs> but, but but it was a beautiful disaster. It really was. It was it was, it was like just this kind of late night, sleepless nights, nightmare on Elm Street four at nausea. I probably watched the movie fifty times while we were writing this book and. and I, it was just amazing to go through and kind of relive all those, all those moments and get to see all the all the work and everything that everyone put in because everybody that worked on the film was so amazing. The film would not have been 
what it is without without Mick, without Nick, without Bill, without Steve, without everybody. I mean, there was not a better group of people to tackle this movie than what did, you know? The most beautiful thing about this book overall is that any question any fan has about how something was done or or whatever i mean it's answered it gets answered here it is there's an awful lot of there's there's yeah. more answers than you knew there were questions to yeah oh yeah <laughs> well True. we we are so excited about the book um can you tell us where listeners can find it and also we want you guys to plug where we can find y'all online as well well funny you should ask uh <laughs> All you have to do is go to behindthescreamsbook.com and uh, you can order a copy. You can order uh, a paper copy. You can order a PDF copy. You can order a signed copy. Uh, me, as far as Big Strong goes, I also have a podcast uh, called Dream Warrior Review. And uh, we re- release uh, probably about three times a week. And um, we have seven or eight really rabid fans. And um, <laughs> and uh, I will be coming to a uh, con near you to con you. <laughs> Thanks for being honest about that. Well, I'm a treasure. I'm a national <laughs> Yes, You're you a legend are. in your yes, mind, you my friend. I am. <laughs> cool. Somebody's got to go next. You know, I yeah, just where, can't stand. Where, where can yeah. we find the rest of you guys? Well, Nick, you go ahead, brother. <clears throat> well, on, on Facebook, you can find me at facebook.com slash Nick J. Benson official. Or you can find me on Instagram at Nick Benson four twenty seven. Awesome. And you're doing all kinds of things these days, right, Nick? I am. I actually have another book coming out uh, with Bryn Kurt James Hammond, who is from London. Uh, you're doing a, a book on the Howling franchise. Ooh. Nice. Very we, nice. uh, we got to interview Dee yeah. Wallace, so she talked about that a little bit. Oh, awesome. We launched the U.S. side of the book tour uh, October 23rd here in Las Vegas. So, oh, that's very cool, man. Very cool. cool. Yeah. And Blake, what about you? Uh, you can find me all over. Usually anywhere uh, Mick is, I'm usually following behind him because you know we just we don't we don't live in the same state or the same area, so I, we're constantly trying to battle time zone issues. Um, sometimes he will call me, and it will be like you know 11:30 or midnight my time, and it's only 10 his time, so that makes for some fun conversation. Uh, <laughs> um, you, you can find me on Instagram at Blake Best Official. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at. Uh, Blake Best 1428 because what better place is there to be than 1428 Elm Street? That's a good address. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You can find me on my website, which is uh, blakebestauthor.wixsite.com forward slash Blake Best Horror. I'll be selling copies of the book there as well. If you want to get a paper copy of a signing, I've got some signings coming up soon. I'll actually be in Vegas with a 
Nick. Nick got me uh, set up on a couple of uh, book tour uh, things going on up there with uh, the Howling books. So I'll get to go up there and and uh, do some behind the screens work, and then get to meet with Bryn James Kirk Hammond, and then get to you know spend time with uh, with Nick and and you know hang out up there. And then uh, do you know the uh, the dates on that, by the way? Uh, for my uh, let's see, I've got different days. I, I know the other book, the uh, Howling thing starts on the twenty third, doesn't it, Nick? Yeah, we we have an appearance the 23rd, the 24th. We have two different appearances in two different places. And uh, the Sin City Halloween will be the 26th, 27th, and I believe part of the 28th. Is that in October? Yeah, that's, that's in October. I'll be there for those. And I think I'm going to get in on the 24th or 25th. So, Nick, I might see you because I know there was like the Cash for Chaos thing is happening. Correct. Uh, and then there's a couple other ones, but Nick was very kind and got me on some uh, some shows up there. My first convention appearance, I have Nick to thank for that because he introduced me to, uh, you know, Paul Casey, you know, and uh, got me on to the Sin City uh, Halloween show. So this will be my second time uh, going there and I'll do a book signing there. And I'm sure Nick would also like to do, you know, some you know signings of that book probably as well. He's going to be so busy. Nick is in so many books. He is a he is a, just got so many iron in the fires and it's amazing i don't know how he does that's awesome yeah i think i'm actually going to be in vegas in october but i, I think i'm going to miss you guys i think i fly back the 21st so i think i'm going to be a little early so just my luck <laughs> extend your trip yeah uh, well um if i could get my boss to do that i would <laughs> it's or, on his know, dime come down so. here, you know come down to portland and visit you know you and the girls can stop by and and visit me at my place and kind of come check out the office if you like, or, you know, whatever, all the, the props and all that good stuff. Just come out and visit. I like to go out and still be social somewhat. Yeah. Oh, nice. That'd well, be awesome. Cool. Like, you, yeah, you're talking incredible. to Thank some, you. some major yeah. redheads. So that's, you know, <laughs> that's definitely up our alley. So, well, cool guys. Well, we appreciate your time. Um, it, this is one of those subjects you know, like like Kayla was saying, I mean, a lot of people they they think you know this is their favorite Freddy, and um, obviously huge blockbuster when it was released. And um, I mean, we could ask questions about this all night long, but we don't want to keep you guys. So we appreciate you stopping by. Um, we'll put all this stuff up on our website and our Instagram. Um, and the uh, this is going to premiere uh, on the 31st. So here in a couple of days, it'll be live. So, um, yeah, so thanks again, Nick Benson, Blake Best, Mick Strong. And uh, check these guys out on their websites and Instagram and Facebook. And appreciate you guys stopping by. Thanks, thanks a lot. Guys. Thank, Thank you. you. See you guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right, so that was um, pretty crazy. Um, we, uh, as we said, we could we could have talked all, you know, all night things about Freddy Krueger, and that one obviously is a very popular um, uh, entry into the franchise. So we were very excited to discuss that. So we'll have all the information um, about the where to order the book and all their personal stuff on when we post this. So, um, so we're going to wrap this up. Um, I had a one kind of, uh, jokingly one kind of controversial thing to talk about. So since we've started this podcast, we've had a few people comment about our logo. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you're not from Tennessee, it's basically the, the tri-star from the Tennessee state flag. 
Um, so obviously we know that it's not exactly how it's supposed to look on the flag. Um, and we did that by design. We decided to, I guess I could say I decided I did it before we started this, but, um, I just didn't want it to look like it was a disrespectful thing since it's, there's bloody machetes behind it and there's blood flying everywhere. So, you know, I wanted it to, if you glance at it, that's Tennessee, you know, that kind of a deal, but I didn't want it to be an exact copy. So that's why we did it that way. We obviously knew it wasn't the right thing. I didn't know if you girls knew this. It's actually a law. You're supposed to actually have it the way that it's supposed to be. And there's actually a, a bylaw in the Tennessee, like, laws <laughs> about that. So it's it, evidently there are some people that are really up in arms about it. But um, we actually got a four-star review about it. Um, you can go to iTunes and go to our page and read the reviews. I won't say who it is, but um, that was that was their only comment. It wasn't our content. It wasn't, you know, my crappy voice or anybody's crappy voice. It was the, the change the logo, <laughs> change the TriStar. So um, I got with my art director. It is being changed. We will have it to the official, the way it looks on the flag. So everything's prim and proper. Um, so we just wanted to address that since it's obviously getting us some bad reviews. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways, uh, but Lena has some information for us now. Yeah, so we've got our next movie night um, on on the books, and it is September 29th, uh, of course, at Full Moon Cinema, and it is Saw. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. 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 At 7 p.m. Um, our last movie night was at the beginning of this month, and it was Big Trouble in Little China, which was so much fun, and it was a sold-out show. So I'm just going to throw that out there just so y'all know. Um, this may be, you know, another case of that. But I'm looking forward to this one, you guys, because I did go see that in theaters when it first came out. So to see it back on the big screen, I mean, it's going to be awesome. Except this time I probably won't have my little Jack Mini that I brought, um, and it, like, slid down all the way to the front row from the back row. That was my fault. Sorry, Jackson theater <laughs> i want to go set in yes exactly but yeah y'all mark your calendars september 29th 7 p.m to come see saw with us at full moon and you can go to fullmooncineplex.com to get tickets in advance and like she said the last show we did sold out and i think they had to turn a couple of people away so um not saying it was because of us but um oh and also this ep- this uh, movie we're gonna do trivia so if you'll get there a little early, uh, maybe 10 minutes early, we're going to ask some questions before. Um, and if you'll, whoever wins, we'll get probably, you know, a Music City Horror t-shirt and some fun stuff. So, um, yeah. Um, I'll buy you a beer if you're of age. And she knows everything <laughs> about the beers. So I'll she pick does. up the beer for you. <laughs> She will make a very good choice, and she'll yes. pair it with your popcorn. <gasps> exactly, yes. <laughs> um, so we're going to wrap up this episode. Um, you know, we, we kind of we give shout-outs to um, other podcasts, so I'll do that real quick. Um, there's a podcast in Tennessee called Two Non-Moms, and... I've, I've only listened to a little bit of their show, so I don't know a ton about it, but they're on Instagram. It's the number two underscore non N O N underscore moms. Um, the other one is called pop crime and wine. Um, a, a girl named Taylor that follows me on my personal, um, she started a podcast. So we followed each other 
Music City Horror followed them or whatever. Um, they're on episode, I think, eight now, and it's more of a true crime thing. Um, so it's uh, pop, crime, and wine. It's all one word. Um, they're also uh, in Tennessee. So those are the two shout-outs. Um, wanted to shout-out a couple of our uh, followers on Instagram as well. Um, they... Um, basically took a screenshot of an episode they were watching and posted it in their stories and, you know, just really just unprompted, just really were cool and just spreading the word. And one of them actually, it sounded like they really hadn't got into uh, podcasts before. And so we were one of their first ones that they kind of followed. So that, that kind of means a lot to us because we're, you know, we're just like a lot of people, we're just fans and we just said, screw it. Let's just do this you know um so there's times where we're you know we think we're spinning our wheels and you know we're just talking into the vast void of space and no one's listening but when we get little things like that it kind of makes us feel good so um dylan tibbetts um his uh, instagram name is dylan of the dead and that's d-i-l-l-o-n of the dead um he posted a screenshot of us the other day and he's you know he said he liked our stuff so thank you for that um also, uh, Kate Hurino, uh, I think is how you pronounce it, H-A-R-U-N-O. Um, her Instagram is jester underscore smile. And um, she uh, just started listening to us, and she's kind of digging what she hears. So we thank you for listening, Kate. And um, Jada Laborde, um, L-A-B-O-R-D-E. Her, her uh, Instagram is sunflower underscore Jada and also new listener. So thank you for spreading the word. Um, little stuff like that goes a long way, you know, so we really appreciate it. Um, you know, you might post it one time in your story and then two people listen because of it, you know what I mean? So growing that audience little by little really, really helps. So we appreciate that. Also, we have a local uh, personality, Count Drahoon. I don't know why I'm getting all these names tonight. What is going on? Where are the Smiths and the <laughs> Johnsons at? Anyways, D R A H O O N. And that's his Instagram name, Count Drahoon, all one word. He does a podcast, nice. but they also do live shows of the the presentation. Um, they're going to be at Monster Fest on October 6th. That's in Chesapeake Bay, or no, just Chesapeake, sorry, Virginia. Um, they're going to be at the Carpe Cafe in Smyrna, Tennessee on October 12th. Um, and then they're going to be at City, City Winery in Nashville on December 19th, and they'll be doing their their uh, the live presentation. So if you go to his Instagram, Count Drahoon, um, you can find out more information. I think if you click it, it takes it to his website and gives you more details on all that kind of stuff. So uh, we appreciate you guys for listening and spreading the word. And, you know, if you get a chance, check these guys out. Um, they've been very cool so far, and um, we appreciate it. So... I think that's I think that's it, guys. Or do we have anything else to talk about? I, think I, have, it, I have nothing at all. Cool. Well, um, by the time this airs, um, we will have we will basically have hit the unofficial start of Halloween season. So, Ooh. Ha- I just I can't wrap my head around that. I know that's wild. I know. And I think the next time we do a show, that'll be our one year anniversary. I think that's going to be very close. Oh, touching. So. Yes. It would be funny if we, uh, if we could get Scott back for that one episode. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about that. He reminds me of the guy from summer school, uh, the, the football player at the very beginning, he asked for the hall pass (laughs) to go to the bathroom and then he comes back in the last five minutes and it's like the long, (laughs) the longest pee break in the history of the world. So. 
Well, just so, just to give uh, our readers something, or our readers, our listeners, something to look forward to, I will be your Halloween Horror Nights correspondent. So I will be, I will be going to the parks in October. um, So I'll be able to give you guys the rundown and hopefully I'd like to be able to show you guys some of it. I don't know what their policies are of, you know, taking pictures or videos or anything like that. So I'll see what I can get, but, uh, it should be exciting. I'm really excited about trick or treat and I'm excited about stranger things, but they've got a lot of really cool stuff going on. And that's my first time I've ever actually gotten to go. So I will, I will come back with a full report. Yeah, when I, I guess me and Lana both went in 2013, they had the Walking Dead, so they had just walkers all over the park. And No, um, thank you. Yeah, it was pretty <laughs> wild. And then th- when I went, they had the Bill and Ted live show. And, yes, um, I saw that too. Um, they kind of alternate. I think sometimes they do a Beetlejuice show and sometimes they do Bill and Ted, so they kind of tweak it up. But they're also doing a Halloween one too. I think it's Halloween four, which I don't know why that's the one they decided to do, but yeah, I I know they are doing Halloween. Yeah. yeah. And then they've got like killer clowns from outer space. They've got all kinds of stuff. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. And I'm also very nervous because I don't do, uh, (laughs) I don't do haunted houses. You guys know this about me. I don't, I don't fuck with that shit. Well, we look forward to that. And um, I think next episode, we're going to kind of dive into Monsters Ball a little bit and kind of, we finally announced it and uh, we're getting some stuff rolling in as far as details. So hopefully the next episode, we'll kind of jump into that a little bit more in depth. So that's coming for Nashville on October 25th. Really excited about it. Should be fun. And... I think with that being said, I think we're done. So, yeah. Yay. Thanks for listening. Everybody have a good night. Bye. Bye. Bye.